wrote you personally a book that had bearing on your life and every situation right now in your life, would you read it? Okay, open it to James 3 right now. Because that's what he's done. James chapter 3. So the youth group is in the middle of a series in the book of James. We've been walking through verse by verse. We just finished uh, whenever last time we met and went through James. It seems like it was a long time ago now. Uh, We just finished Faith Without Works is Dead. Now we talked about how this is um, seemingly against what we believe as Christians because we say that you are saved by faith alone. And so we ended on that quote by Martin Luther that says, we are saved by faith alone. Yes, that's good. But that faith is never alone. So it's always accompanied with works. Not that we're saved by works, but when we are saved, works will follow because we love Christ and we want to be like him. Um, So now as we jump into chapter 3, we're going to talk about our tongues. And so I've titled it Blessing Verse Cursing, and that's going to be the title of the message. And so since we believe that this book was written by God for us, then I think we can pay attention for the next 15 to 20 minutes on what God says in here, okay? So let's do that together. It's what we gathered here for. This is why this church building is here is because we believe this is God's word. So we're going to talk about verses 1 through 12 in James chapter 3. And we're going to see why it is so important or why the tongue is such a powerful uh, member of our body. So I'm going to start with verses 1 and 2. You can follow along here. It says, Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness, for we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. So in this section on the tongue, he starts it by talking about people who teach. And he's specifically talking about people who teach the Bible. Okay, And he's saying, not many of you should become teachers. Why do you think that is? Why do you think he would start this section on the tongue saying, you guys, not many of you should become teachers? Sometimes we have trouble controlling our words. Okay, yeah. And we have to use words to teach. Yeah. Okay, what else? We can participate if you guys want. <laughs> That's great, yeah. What we say can either draw someone closer to Christ or it can push someone further away. Um, And so this is why we see so much of this in Scripture. People are called false teachers because what they are saying is not true. And we can say things that aren't true. And so if we're saying, I'm speaking on behalf of God here, and that's what we say when, if I get up here and I have this in front of me, I am claiming that, and that's a scary place to be, but that's where I'm at. I've been, I feel like God has called me to do this. I'm saying that this is what God says, and if I'm wrong, I am saying wrong things about God. So that's a very serious thing. So he's saying here at the beginning, not many of you should be teachers because you're going to be judged with greater strictness, and we can see this at the workplace Um, Let's say you have the rookie employee and you have the supervisor. If the rookie employee messes up, who's more likely to get judged with greater strictness? 
The supervisor, probably, right? Yeah. So you have the person that has a little bit of authority, the teacher. Not that the teacher is better or different than anyone else, but they have a little bit of authority because they're speaking God's word. He's saying that not many of you should become that person because you will be judged with greater strictness. Then he equals the playing field. Verse 2, we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. And here's what he's going to do. He's going to give us two examples of this. First, as he leads us to the importance of our speech, he's going to say, uh, give the first example in verse 3, of a bit in the mouth of a horse. If we put bits into the mouth, mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Verse 4, look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. Verse 5, so also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. So here we have, let's go back one, Kevin. Uh, I, that's a picture of a horse, and there's a bit in its mouth. I circled it in red up there, okay? The bit is a very small thing. It goes inside their mouth, and when you pull on it in a certain direction or a certain way, um, and I know there's other commands where you can tap them with your feet or whatnot, but you have the bit, and, and when you pull on it, it controls their whole body to move a certain way. Okay, the next one. This is a cruise ship. They did not have these types of ships when he was talking, okay? Obviously. But the rudder there, I circled on the very back, when it's moved, it, it directs the entirety of the ship a certain way, okay? And so James takes two uh, pieces of transportation that they most commonly used in that culture, and he says, look how big the, the mode of transportation is, and look how small the thing is that's controlling them, okay? You have the rudder, and you have the bit, and they're both very small, but they control the whole body. And so what he's doing here is he's likening that to our tongues, in our mouths. Obviously, the tongue is a small member of our body, but it will boast of great things. In some aspect, our tongue kind of controls the rest of our members, uh, which is a pretty insane thing. And so he even states here at the end of verse 5, I forgot to read that part, it says, how great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And so he's showing this uh, metaphorically, what the tongue and how powerful it is. So let me read uh, verses 6 through 12 here. This is the last part of our section that we'll be in. And this is really where the main point is coming from. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird and of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. So James is doing a lot of different things here. God through James here at, um, at the end of this section. And he's saying uh, things that like the tongue is a fire. It's a world of unrighteousness. 
Um, it's set on fire by hell. I don't even know what that means. I was trying to figure out what exactly that means. But it doesn't sound good, basically, okay? It doesn't sound like a very good thing. Um, he's saying that it has the power to stain someone's whole body. The tongue has the power to ruin someone's life. It's restless. It cannot be stopped. It cannot be tamed. You look at all the animals in the animal kingdom, and you can, at some level, tame them. It's probably because they can't talk, Right? So, and this is the same thing with kids. Um, my daughter, Jade, was so much easier with obedience when she couldn't talk. But now she can say no, and I don't like that, and all these other things. And so now it's not as easy to tame her. Not that we tame her like an animal. But you can see how as soon as a child is able to talk, then disobedience just ramps up, right? And so we see this with every animal in the animal kingdom, or what he lists here. And we see that the tongue is a restless evil. It is unable to be tamed. Nobody can do it. Um, And the reason that is, is because of what Jesus tells us in Matthew chapter 15. I have that verse up there. This is what Jesus says. But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this defiles a person. Basically what he's saying here, when we sin with our tongues, it is just a public in physical display of what we feel in our hearts. So when we sin with our tongues, when we say something, when we insult somebody, when we curse somebody, it's just showing and revealing how our heart really feels. Um, And this is why it's such a problem. And it's almost like, and I don't quite understand it often, it's almost like sometimes we just say things and we're like, I I don't even know where that came from, right? You've, You've had those moments where you're like, you say something like, I never think like that. What just happened, you know? Um, this happened to me uh, a couple times recently. In, in the middle of the night, my son wakes up and cries. And I just remember like saying things. And I'm like, that is awful. I've never said anything like that. I just couldn't imagine myself actually saying that. And it probably had something to do with a lack of sleep. But either way, the tongue is revealing what the heart feels at a certain level. And this is what Jesus is saying here. So... Um, and here's where we get to the main point. We have the blessing verse, the cursing that we see in verse 9. So let me read that again. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. With our tongues, we can, and we just did, we can praise God with them. We can sing praises to Him. We can glorify Him through our speech. We can literally share the gospel, which is news that we say with our mouth, and people can go and be transferred from hell to heaven because of that message. We can say those things with our tongue. That's pretty intense. That's a pretty powerful thing. We can honor one another. We can bless family members, our friends, maybe even a stranger. We can lift people up. We can encourage people. We can do all these things with stuff that we say from our tongues. We can say out loud the word of God like I'm doing right now with our tongues. What a beautiful and powerful, God-glorifying things that we can do just with our tongues. But with our tongues, we can also cause mass destruction. We can also insult. We can discourage. We can cause ruin. We can curse people. Uh, So what awful things we can do with our tongues. I know people in my life that have had their lives ruined by what someone else has said about them. I know and 
this is a tough thing to talk about, but people have harmed themselves or even killed themselves because of what someone has said to them. So you can imagine our tongues, they can do great things, but it's almost like they can do worse things. And maybe we've contributed in the past, or maybe we've felt this, or maybe we know someone who has had this happen to them, uh, where you are just hurt. Things that people have said to us when we're 10 have hung with us until we're 50. Stuff like that happens because of what someone has said. So we know that the tongue is a powerful thing. We know that words are very powerful. And we know that, like Jesus says, it's just a revelation of what we're feeling in our heart. Out of the abundance of our heart, the mouth will speak. So James points out in verse 9, you can't do both of these things. You can't sing praises to God like we just did and then go home and slander and gossip somebody. You can't glorify God through gospel-centered conversation with somebody else and then as soon as they turn around, stab them in the back with your words. You can't do that. That's what James says. This should not be so, he says. From the same mouth comes blessing, and from the same mouth comes cursing. And so what makes this real intense is what he says in the second half of verse 9. With it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. As I was studying this, in this culture, in this time period, a king would set up a statue of himself. And if you cursed that statue, the same offense would be applied to you as if you did it to their face. So if I said something against the statue the king set up, it was like I said it straight to his face. So it is when we do this to other people. If we are made in the image of God, that that means that we are image bearers of God. So if I were to insult somebody, then I really am insulting the one who made them. And that's what makes this so much more worse, is when I insult someone, when I gossip about someone, when I curse somebody, I'm really doing that to God himself as we are image bearers of God. So both can't be done. And it almost seems in this text that uh, the blessing is disqualified by the cursing. It's like it's disproportionate. Like how can I, how can I yell at my wife at home on a Sunday morning and then come to church and sing songs and praises to God? What I, what I did first disqualifies anything good that I did after that, right? So it's almost like it's disproportionate. But God has given us, and I don't want to end on bad, note, uh, bad news, so let's, let's uh, get to the redemption part of this. God has given us this beautiful gift of a tongue to praise him, to glorify him, and we can use it for, for very good things, massively good things. So I want to look at three ways from Scripture, real quickly as we end, um, so let's, let's focus in on this last part. And I'm going to call these things uh, redemptions of the tongue, okay? So we can use what God has given us for good. Yes, we will sin. Yes, we will mess up. Yes, we will gossip. Yes, we will insult. I don't know why, but that's what we do. It's, almost, it's because we're sinful and we want, we want that. We crave sin. Um, but God forgives us and God helps us to not do that anymore. And so there's three things that, I, that I'm seeing, and there's probably plenty other in Scripture uh, that, are, that I'm going to call redemptions of the tongue. First one is Romans 12, 14. It says, Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Uh, I started with the hardest one because the hardest 
person to bless is the very person that is persecuting you or insulting you or stabbing you in the back. That is the hardest person to bless with your tongue, to talk good about, to honor. Um, And this could even happen with friends and family members. Um, So we have to take what Scripture says, what Jesus or what God is telling us through the book of Romans here, that we need to bless those who persecute us. Bless them and do not curse them. So we take our James text. It says, blessing and cursing can't come out of the same mouth. Um, So Paul here in Romans is saying, bless and not curse. And so we can do that with our actions, but I'm, I'm taking this specifically as we speak. So we have to structure our hearts through prayer and through intentionality to be prepared at all times to bless and honor people with our tongue. And so two practical ways I find this very helpful. When someone comes to mind in your head, you're thinking of someone, take the opportunity to pray for them and then bless them by sending them a text or calling them or when you see them next, say something nice about them. And later in this text it says, outdo one another in showing honor. It's almost like a competition between Christians. We're supposed to outdo one another in showing honor. I can't tell you how helpful it is when someone, um, specifically Sophia just recently said something nice to me. She does that a lot. Not, she does it often. But she said something that was very nice, and it's so encouraging. It is massively encouraging to be uplifted by what she said. She said it with her tongue, and it encouraged my heart. That's a pretty crazy thing that we can do. So when someone comes to your mind, pray for them and then bless them with your speech. Bless them. The second way is when someone insults you, when someone maybe says something bad about you, when someone isn't very nice. We're not there yet, sorry. (laughs) Um, When someone does that to you, take the opportunity, be mature in the faith, Plead with God, say, help me because I'm about to say something very bad to this person and take that opportunity to bless them with your speech. To bless them. All right. Ephesians 4.29. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. That last part is specifically important. We're told to use talk with our tongues that encourages people, that builds people up, okay? And it says, talk that comes out of your mouth. I don't know any other type of talk. I guess body language, but corrupting talk, don't let that come out of your mouth, okay? Only such as is good for building up. Another thing, as fits the occasion. So we want to use talk that um, is occasionally good, which means in the situation, that is a good thing to say. Uh, So many Something that we say a lot that is, I don't think is very helpful. Um, and if you say this, I'm sorry, I've, I've done this so many times. When someone is dealing with loss or grief of some sort, saying, I know how you feel, that is not helpful. <laughs> it's not helpful. Because um, you don't. Uh, you may have s- suffered something similar, but you don't know how they feel. You know how you felt when that happened. You can sympathize with them, but that's just not helpful. So, so taking things that are helpful for the occasion um, is, is huge. So there's multiple different things we can take away from this verse. So building up fits the occasion. And then this is, 
the type of talk that we want to have, the blessing that we want to come, that wants to come from our tongue, is something that gives grace to those around us. It is going to be gracing the ears. It is good to hear. It is helpful. It's encouraging. It's lifting people up. We want to grace the ears around us, uh, around, uh, to people around us as we talk to them. Um, this looks like speaking gently and lovingly. Um, this is very hard for me when it comes to, and I just keep giving you examples of my kids, but when parenting, and some of you know how this feels. I just said not to say that, but some of you knows how, know how this feels, right? When you're parenting kids, you want to yell sometimes. That does not give grace to their ears. Though you may have to discipline, there's a way to do that gently and lovingly. Um, and so that's been specifically hard for me to do. But this, this is what Ephesians 4.29 is telling us to do. And that is part of blessing and not cursing people. Okay, uh, number three. Psalm 141.3. Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the, doors of my lip, the door of my lips. This is another thing that we may have to do. James 3 says, the tongue is restless, evil. You can't tame it. But you know the one who can tame it. So you go to him. We can't tame the tongue, but God can. So we're asking God, set a guard over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. And when, I, when someone insults you, this may be the verse you got to go to, right? Put a guard over my lips. If such power is contained, contained in your tongue, then we must go to the one who can tame it if you can't. So we may have to spend time in prayer. God, help me to use speech that blesses others around me and brings grace to their ears when I talk. Um, And this is so difficult to do. That's why James gives us 12 verses on it in a row in chapter 3. But I think these three ways specifically, these three verses more so, um, are ways that will will help us when when we're blessing and not cursing. Um, And one thing that I want to point out just as we end here, at the end of the text in James... He goes to nature. And, and it might be like, why does he say all this stuff about the spring and the pond and the f- trees? This is what he says in verse 11. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? The answer is no to that, okay? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives? No, it can't. Can a grapevine produce figs? No. Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. So what he's doing is he's going to God's creative order. And this is awesome because you can just look out into God's creation. And and I said this in my sermon two weeks ago. You can look into God's creation and just see patterns everywhere. So he's saying God created a spring to not pour pour forth salt and fresh water. If the spring doesn't do that, then your mouth shouldn't have blessing and cursing. If a fig tree can only produce figs and not grapes or whatever he says here, then that means your mouth should only bring blessing and not cursing. Your mouth was created to bless and not to curse, just as the pond was created to have fresh water and not salt water. So he's pointing to the creative order and he's saying, look at the patterns God has infused into Scripture. Copy that with your tongue and how you talk, which I think is amazing. So I'm telling you, if we use our speech to bless others around us and not to curse them, People will see Jesus Christ in us, okay? The way we talk reveals what our heart is about. If we say as Christians that our hearts are captured by Christ, 
that he has our hearts, then our talk is going to be like his. I truly believe that. If he has our heart, if our heart is captured by Christ, then my talk is going to mimic what his was like. And there was not cursing. And there was not yelling, maybe when he flipped the tables in the temple. But his talk was gentle. It was loving. It was caring. It was seeking the best. It was blessing others around him. And I think we need to mimic that as Christians. So uh, as the last slide here, um, I have... I was originally going to do this for the youth, so I have small group questions here. I think, I think we're going to do it. Split up real quick. If Andrew and Kevin, if you guys want to go with the boys in the youth group and then Regina and Candace and Nicole, the girls, and I'll stay in here. Uh, I want to just go over three questions to quickly flesh this out in our lives. What are areas in our life, uh, what areas in your life does your speech need to be redeemed? What ways can you use your speech to bless and honor opposed to cursing and judgment? And then I think it would be really good, especially you guys in the youth, I wanted this to happen tonight, if you take turns going around honoring and blessing one another. That is a tough thing to do, but it is awesome. It's so rewarding and it's necessary. All right, I'm going to pray and then we're going to break up into these groups. Father, again, we thank you for your word. We thank you um, that you've given us tongues, mouths, brains, bodies, to glorify you. That's what you've created us for. So help us. Guard our, guard our lips. Keep a door over our mouths so that what we say is honoring to you and, and what is bad is filtered out. God, capture our hearts so that what comes out of our mouths is an abundance of grace and mercy and blessing. Help us, God. We cannot do this without you. Our tongues cannot be tamed on our own. We need your help. So I'm asking right now for all of us here in this room, please help us to bless one another around us, to give grace to the ears, and to not curse one another, to not let any corrupting talk come out of our mouths for your name's sake and for our good. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right.